we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. So you've been hearing, or maybe not yet, this disease X, X, and it's a term that has been uh, uh, put out there by the World Health Organization, uh, the fun-loving folks at the WHO, uh, for an unknown pathogen uh, that could be a potential future pandemic. And worldwide, there are folks, uh, various scientists uh, working on this, and specifically out of the UK, there's some developments on this to develop, well, what else? A vaccine in preparation. I'm sure they're all hand in hand with Big Pharma. Welcome into the broadcast, uh, my fellow Americans. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. Yeah, and uh, also welcome in our friends around the world. And uh, boy, this is, well, and it is a worldly conversation, the World Health Organization. So disease X, uh, this is a uh, disease uh, XYZ, this is X. So um, this is something else now. All right, so le- looking at this, if I was to look at this with, I mean, they're, they're saying this is in possibly could be bird flu, could, could be antibiotic resistant, could be uh, all kinds of various diseases and thoughts. So is this, could this possibly be, if I, if I wanted to play this as a benefit of doubt initially, Dr. McCullough, would it, or could it possibly be that they're just doing, and, and I know I'm, I'm I'm speaking right out here, like, I mean, come on, what are you thinking here? But, but could this, is there any way this could be a preventive thing in nature that really their hearts are in the right place? Or was my first instinct correct? And that uh, this is a, uh, uh, a situation looking for a problem? Huh. Are you saying you're naturally distrusting at this point in time? Like just slightly in the world? <laughs> just slightly, just slightly. Twist my arm. Twist my arm. Go ahead. Disease X. You know, the average person is thinking, gosh, we've just, just gotten through this. We want to go back to normal. Now it's disease X. Well, this is where this comes from. You know, this new genetic technology that's been ushered in, uh, messenger RNA, adenoviral DNA, uh, forms of vaccines. All it means is that once we have the genetic code of an organism, which can be found out very quickly nowadays, uh, that within a matter of hours, there can be a blueprint for a messenger RNA vaccine. So what the thought is, if there was some way of anticipating what was going to happen based on surveillance of viruses, other pathogens, that one, in a sense, could have a vaccine for an unknown pathogen. So many organizations are out there trying to build libraries of possibilities. One of them is the EcoHealth Alliance, led by Dr. Peter Daszak. Now, they (laughs) are in relative hot water right now for their work between Ralph Barrick at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and the Wuhan Institute of Virology for the creation of SARS-CoV-2. And Jessica said, listen, I want a library of these things, almost like he's holding mm. assets wow. of, of biological threats. But if we were to take this on the up and up, mm. it would simply be surveillance if they thought you know, bird flu could be coming out of a region in China. One could get samples start to work on the genetic code, and in a sense, have a preemptive vaccine. But, you know, the caveat here is that vaccines don't end pandemics. I mean, they barely can anticipate the 
flu strain. And uh, in the last several years, they've had zero efficacy against the flu strain. It's just that a vaccine shouldn't be the first thing that comes to mind with the next infectious disease threat. The first thing that comes to mind should be treatment. Now, if we had treatment collaboratives, if we had meetings that are anticipatory, uh, I think that would be a lot more productive than people sitting in some lab. Now, if you read about this, this is somewhere in England. It almost sounds like a James Bond laboratory and uh, you know, shrouded in a lot of secrecy, lots of money being poured into this, Malcolm. Yeah. And uh, you know, honestly, there's so many people suffering from these vaccine injuries. I think we'd be better off spending the money helping people sick right now. Yeah. So these are British scientists, as you say there, uh, Peter, at a, uh, it's a called it's a top secret lab, more or less in uh, Porton Down uh, is leading this particular effort here. When you started talking about uh, Peter Dayzak and uh, Equal Alliance, and the first thing that came to my mind is you remember that, uh, surely you remember that uh, movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? Yeah. Yeah. That's what this feels like. It's a feature of Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. We just keep waking up and we find another pandemic or another vaccine coming out with a pandemic. I mean, the only one that benefits from all of this nonsense is Big Pharma. And Big Pharma, let's face it right now. Let me just get to the point of the conclusion that I think. So right now, they are trying to replace all these billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, huge sums of money, people. I mean, huge sums of dollars that have now been uh, pulled out of their businesses. Remember, they had already ramped their businesses up and were making fortunes off of everybody being mandated um, against everybody's better judgment to get these uh, shots. And now that that income is all dried up here. you got to remember that. That's gone. So now they got to come up with new inventory. I mean, it's a business model, basically. It's a business model. I mean, the fact that people are dying and getting screwed up in life and everything else, well, that's beside the point, I guess, if you're, you know, that rich and miserable, I guess. I don't really know what else to say about it. But isn't that the deal? It is, but remember the <clears throat> pharmaceutical companies are the end suppliers. <clears throat> They're subcontracting this out to defense um, contractors. I don't think that's where the action is. Malcolm. Well, they all benefit by this, don't they? I, not I know, though, I everybody. Yeah. But, but this is where the real benefit is. Okay. It's this idea of business incubation, biotechnology development. So in our book, Courage to Face COVID-19, we define this biopharmaceutical complex and their activities. One of their central activities, because many of the big players are NGOs, they're basically foundations like the Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, Welcome Trust. They can invest heavily in these companies because it's all inside baseball. So they can invest in these companies like Gates invests a few million in BioNTech at the right time during this whole incubation of SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, he gets out billions. That's where the real money is. Mm -hmm. It's not actually payment for product. It's this incubation and these companies investing in each other. Uh, the, the most wide open example, and I bet this British lab is the same as CEPI, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation. Yeah. Their Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum said, great, let's form a vaccine incubator. We're going to pour a ton of money in here. We're going to write a lot of patents. We're going to have a lot of collaborative projects with other companies. And we're going to churn vaccines. And as Gates says, nothing gives a return on investment like vaccines. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, it sounds like monopoly money is what they're playing with. And yeah, and investing in, you know, it's become the shell game, more or less. And and, and there's a concept for that. There's a business model for that as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that's a big piece of it. But don't think that Big Pharma isn't happy to see more vaccines come out. Oh, for sure. I mean, they'll they'll take the money. Remember, (laughs) Pfizer and Moderna, they're just marketing shields. They're not making the product. So once the genetic code is made and the recipes made, they're not going to get their hands dirty with this. This goes off to biodefense contractors, and they're the ones who make the product. Now, what's really happened in COVID is this shield of emergency use authorization. These products were never inspected. Uh, They roll out. There's no bid contracts. Do you know to this day, you still can't buy a vaccine? Your insurance company doesn't need to approve. There's still these kind of government articles that are out there. And uh, you know, basically government products that are incredibly unregulated by our own government. You see this other, uh, I want to get your opinion on this uh, bio lab that uh, we has been trained in as well on the uh, Mark Robot platform, but out of uh, California, uh, our favorite Marxist state, uh, not the people now, we love the people, but uh, the government there. Um, what uh, this was discovered there, and uh, I believe it was a town called Reedley, small town, in fact, Reedley, uh, California, and discovered accidentally from a worker who just seen a hose that was inappropriate uh, as they were inspecting some things. And then from there, it was like, you know, wow. I mean, it was a horrible <laughs> trove of garbage and potential viruses and calamities and problems waiting to happen. What do you make of that story, man? This is an interesting development when you think about it. So if one was a company, let's say a Chinese company, a French company, an American company, and they were a lab and they were developing pharmaceuticals or in vitro diagnostics, they would have to have all of the good manufacturing criteria, all the certifications by uh, the various agencies that certify these labs and pharmaceutical companies uh, et cetera, et cetera. Everything would have to be on the books because your your aim is to make a product and potentially sell it in America. Or if you're just a, a lab doing research for research sake, you still have to come under institutional review boards, university affiliations. There's some ties. Now, Malcolm, if you're just a Chinese entity and you are making some bad stuff, but you have no intentions of selling it. You have no intentions of coming under, you know, any type of uh, commercial platform. It looks like what this tells us is that one can sneak under the radar screen and open up a lab in the United States, potentially making a bio uh, weapon or biological threat against the American people, and no one's going to. Lucky this guy stumbled upon it. Yeah. Who's going to be responsible? To see, this fell through a regulatory gap. Was the city supposed to figure this out? Other agencies? Do, does anybody regulate bringing in strains of tuberculosis and leprosy and different mm-hmm. viruses? So this opens up a whole new can of worms because prior to this, everybody thought anybody dealing with biological samples had a business goal or a contracted goal. In this case, the Chinese were floating the whole thing, and it's right on American soil. Yeah. All right. So the question uh, ask you back is this, a, in your opinion, I mean, seeing what we see there, is this a one-off 
or do you speculate that this is multiplied um, throughout the country in other areas potentially or what? Multiplied throughout the countries. Where you see one, you'll see many. I, I yeah. think they found a regulatory loophole. And, and and even if they're approached, they can say, listen, mm-hmm. we're not under the FDA. We're not under NIOSH. We're not under these other codes. Yeah. Um, particularly if they've actually brought in their own people to operate the lab. So that was the next question is, who's working there? I mean, all things being equal, Peter, this really then has got to scare the hell out of us then because, I mean, isn't it pretty safe to say that, I mean, I'm, I'm getting more of a sinking feeling than have been for some time, actually, that uh, it is, I mean, sadly to say, I mean, it is only a matter of time before there's going to be another calamity in this field. I mean, there's so much of this out there now. And just all things being equal, and even if all intentions were honorable, and they're not, but if they were, there's still the chances of something going wrong is very, very real. Very, You're, you're dealing with pathogens here uh, that are lethal in nature and can kill all kinds of people. I mean, that would dwarf uh, Sar- uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2, in fact, in some of these cases. I mean, so this is this is really horrible news, frankly, Uh you know, that I, I think... Um, well, remember, we had that other story from Boston University. That's right. Where the university had a BSL, biosecurity level three lab. Yeah. And they announced in a preprint manuscript that they said, aha, we made it chimeric. We took the original strain, which is more lethal, but we made it more infectious like Omicron. So wow. we created this blended yeah. strain. Yeah. And they announced a victory. They said, listen, we did this. And uh, we're like, wait a minute, this isn't good news. Mm. And they didn't say that they were trying to develop a countermeasure or they were trying to protect the nation. They literally put that paper out there. I read it carefully. I said, oh, my Lord, these guys are thrilled with their discovery. Now, So once this got in the news, you know, people started pounding Boston University and the right. dean and everybody else got involved and said they followed all the rules. But they, I think they quickly shut down that line of investigation. The problem is biological threat research and development. And now we've seen what it can do with SARS-CoV-2. It is way too attractive to far too many people. Mm. Even people in it for the right reasons, they're seduced by these research grants. They're seduced by the technology. It's all done on a computer screen now. They just dial it up. And they literally can make something on the fly, particularly if it's messenger RNA. And, um, you know, it is extremely worrisome, this threat. It's risky business. Threat countermeasure. Yeah, risky business. I mean, you and I, um, I remember talking uh, about that extensively, that Boston University episode. you got a great memory. Uh, glad you uh, remembered that. Um, yeah, that was very clear as day. Uh, when that was out there as well. Uh, do, do you get a sense at this point, um, Really, though, that in our lifetimes, you and I at this point, um, that we would see, uh, that we'll see some, I mean, is there a, a great potential that we might see something else in our lifetimes of that magnitude that we've gone through that, well, you know, it's 100 years back, but it doesn't sound like it's going to take another 100 years, I'm saying. Well, that's a good point. This um, <clears throat> this acceleration that we're seeing, yeah. uh, you know, I, I a virus that is sufficiently contagious, but mild enough to spread all over the world and keep propagating, you know, that's a very 
uh, narrow, you know, gate to get through. And I anticipate if we see something out of one of these labs, it's going to be one of these potentially more deadly outbreaks, but it burns out. You know, sporadic handful of mysterious disease cases over here, and then it kind of goes away, and then we're figuring mm-hmm. out later on. Yeah, yeah. To hit yeah. it just like they hit it with SARS-CoV-2, uh, I think okay. it's less likely. Although I okay. tell you, Gates, okay. Tedros, uh, Peter Hotez, uh, Fauci—they're all saying they're going to have another big, broad pandemic like we just had. Yeah, it will. And then you see this disease X we just talked about, <laughs> uh, and uh, whatever that might. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's scary business. It's scary business for humanity. And I, I think, you know, as we're talking about this uh, right now, um, I'm thinking, Peter, about uh, it, what comes to my mind is all the people that have lost their lives. I mean, literally, we're talking millions and millions of, of it, it's such an impact on humanity of, of wonderful people, of human beings have expired. They lost their lives way sooner than they ever should have based on this pathogen that was let loose in the wild and combed through the world, through the planet, uh, covered covered the planet and created hell on earth, havoc uh, for three years. And we're still moving and we're still dealing with problems like this next story we'll talk about here. And I, I just think of all the lives. I just, it just, uh, man, it just kills me. That uh, you know, and, and we're talking about these stories. I mean, what is? I, you know, I always talk to myself when these things happen. I think, what's going on with humanity? I mean, what is it with people that they do these kinds of things? And uh, we know why and how and evil besets this. But you know, you just got to shake your head, people, and just I do all the time. And I mean. Isn't it crazy, though? Isn't it crazy? Well, huh? People are frustrated because uh, yeah. the question I hear is, haven't we learned anything? Exactly. You, exactly. you know, when do you remember when this kind of nutty guy who, you know, messaged that he's going to try to put a bomb in his shoe and then he shows up yeah. in the airport and he has something in his shoe and it kind of sputters a little bit and he becomes the shoe bomber? Yeah. Well, listen, the shoe bomber, what we learned out of that is, Take off your shoes and put them through the security uh, x-ray belt. So, you know, this idea of, well, we learned something. Uh, You know, there's been other situations where Mm. there's a flood or there's Mm. some engineering thing. And there's new code. There's new uh, uh, rules that we've learned something. And and what we're not seeing here is that we've Mm. learned anything about biological threats, regulatory of biosafety labs, inventories of biosafety labs, anything in fact the the more the time goes on and people dig into this it seems like uh, it's a very hazardous world out there it is indeed you know the answer to what you're saying right now is to take their brains these evil people and put them on a purveyor belt through just like the shoes and see what the hell's in their brains (laughs) you know wow anyways this next one uh plays on is very important and and it's and it's been you know it's it's the growing concern uh, now, and we've seen this been building for a while on the heart damage uh, in, in the young people, the adolescents that um, it appears that could be permanent. Uh, this plays to a lot of the myocarditis and the 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 things we've been talking about for some time, uh, Dr. McCullough. And uh, 
This is a study out of Hong Kong, I think it is. Is that right? Stu- yeah, study out of Hong Kong. 58% of COVID-19 vaccine myocarditis is confirmed by the MRA, not resolved after a year. So we're talking long-term. Now, you, I know you've got a feel for this story. What are you thinking on this? Well, I tell you, this story has the longest follow-up to date on using cardiac MRI at baseline and then in follow-up. And it's not good news, Malcolm. We are hopeful in these kids. Now, the average age of the subjects in this study are 15-year-old kids who've taken this the vaccine and suffered heart damage. We're hoping that, you know, that the heart, when we're young, can actually repair itself, that, that there would be some inflammation, it would settle down, the body would repair itself. But at a year, 58% still had cardiac MRI late gadolinium enhancement. And that is very similar to a paper published by Yale recently by Armada and colleagues that found a number at 80% uh, still showing abnormalities at nine months. And then uh, in the Hong Kong paper, they they cite a couple more papers. So now with follow-up at four, six, nine, and, and 12 months, it's not looking good. At some point in time, Malcolm, we're going to conclude that the kid's hearts are permanently damaged. I think we're approximating this now. Permanent heart damage means that there will be some children, and we can very hard to predict who it's going to be, who are going to be at risk for a cardiac arrest in the future. And how this works is when there's a scar in the heart, the electricity can flow around the scar if it gets the right conditions and they can circle back up and start rotating in a circle around the scar. We never know when this is going to happen. When it does, it's called reentrant ventricular tachycardia. And when that rhythm occurs, after about 30 seconds, people pass out and it degenerates into ventricular fibrillation. And that's basically a cardiac arrest. So a scar in the heart is always a big deal. That's the reason why we put in stents. We rush to the cath lab. We do all kinds of things so heart attacks don't leave scars. But here we are with COVID-19 vaccine leaving scars in children, and it's going to put everybody on a, a tight rope of anxiety regarding the risk of cardiac death in young people. Well, you know, I'm thinking back uh, uh, to a couple of years ago uh, when you and I were talking on air about these early reports of some of the cardiac problems, actually about two, two and a half years ago, and the, the early reports of the uh, myocarditis and some of the events. And I remember you saying, and we talked about it, I mean, right there, you said, well, you know, uh, the, the future is so unpredictable in this field. We don't really know. We have no way of knowing right this moment how severe this is going to be, but there's going to be a price to pay for this, this this craziness of all this pushing these vaccines on young people, which you, we continue to tell people not to do it. There was no reason. And you, how many times you uttered the words, young people are not at risk. Don't do it. So why would people and their God-given brain have vaccinated these children, Peter? It's sick. It is. And, you know, I can tell you that we have a situation where the messaging now has been, you know, the major cardiology societies are going to have to step up. So about two weeks ago, when we had our paper on autopsies, clearly showing the vaccines were the cause of death, cardiovascular, about 80% of the cases, uh, I wrote the American College of Cardiology, people I know, all the major writing groups, 
everybody. I said, here's the paper. Uh, the ACC needs to reconsider its stance. American College of Cardiology says vaccinate everybody. And, uh, you know, broadly messaged everybody, carefully cited everything. No response, not even a single email back saying, oh, I disagree, or we'll have a conference call about this. Nothing. So then another cardiologist, Michael uh, Goodkin, uh, sent a, even a broader message to leadership across the American Heart Association, ACC, European Society of Cardiology, CC'd me on it. And then I reamplified it. I, I said, listen, uh, this is not going to end well for any cardiologist or, or society who continues to support these vaccines. And you're almost upping the ante to get somebody to respond. Malcolm, nobody responded. Nobody. They have to feel as if this messaging is so ominous for what's going to happen in cardiology. I wonder how much pushback and how much anger there will be a few years down the road as this thing begins to multiply in public, you know, in the, in the public space with people. I, I, I would have, I mean, we're talking real lives here of children and others. And a lot of these people were convinced these adults, um, uh, unnecessarily, uh, in some cases, many unresponsibly, but they were convinced from the propaganda and fear and intimidation campaign that was being played out there with, uh, COVID-19. Uh, I would think there's got to be an uprising in anger to push back. I mean, these are kids. These are their children. This is their lifeblood. I mean, don't you think? I agree. You know, when we see study after study of cardiac hmm. papers and the average age is teenagers, yeah. this means these teenagers are sitting in hospital beds. They're taking medications. They're going through cardiac MRIs and EKGs. These kids ought to be out on the baseball diamond. They ought to be in school. They ought to be playing with their friends. They're now cardiac patients. And this study after study after study. And I do agree with you. Where is the outrage from the parents? Yeah, yeah. They're ticking time bombs is what they are. Many of them are ticking time bombs. And uh, and which plays to the narrative of what you've always said with a lot of public uh, people and a lot of athletes and I mean that plays to this narrative as well. Yeah, a lot of young guys, and for no reason, they're dropping over dead or yeah. uh, massive cardiac problems. You've been—I mean, we've been reporting on that right along, and have been called out for it as well. Like somehow we're being inhumane by speaking the truth and trying to help people, but yet the evil people who threw this onto society somehow they think they're the saints. And they know they're not. They know it's rubbish. No, but it, to make matters worse, they misdirect yeah. it yeah. and say that our concerns over safety is misinformation. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. We have concerns over safety. But what if we had concerns over the safety of a particular car and we pressed our issue with the car manufacturer to come up with a, a warning or a recall? Yeah, I mean, really, would is it? Were you accused of misinformation? You know, you know, we're busting our backs on this. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, there's no conflict of interest outside of our concern for public safety. That's right. That's right. That is a great way to say it, right there, Doctor uh, McCullough. It has been public safety, and everything we've done has been to that end. 
Um, all right. Uh, we're going to address a whole lot of questions here in Q&A 79, by the way, here. Uh, let's talk about a couple of things here. Uh, first off, uh, well, we're in August, uh, headed toward the fall season. I see just starting to see a lot of reports. I don't know what the truth of any of it is, but in the medical field, too, where uh, they were saying summer surges and that they were surprised with the COVID and that sort of thing. I'm still getting emails and letters from some people who've been uh, severely impacted by some of these things, whereas sometimes we think, well, everything's okay, and it's like getting back to whatever. But why are there some people? I guess here's my question. Maybe you can answer. Why are there some people? And I'm seeing a fair amount of reports on this that are not only being impacted with still a case of this variant on the, uh, the COVID, but they're going down they're getting very sick very ill from it they're going down uh still aggressively which surprises me frankly it shocks me when i get these reports in why is that it's still that it's still having that sort of impact in society Do, is there a reason for that uh, i think because large portions of the population have been vaccinated their body is loaded with the genetic code for the spike protein they get sick with externally the virus more spike protein inflammation and they get pretty sick. There's a report out of the UK now, well over 90% of people hospitalized and died with COVID are fully vaccinated. The, it's uh, the how, what's the percentage? What's that percentage again? Well over 90%. What I heard, I heard that. And I was wondering, you're saying that, Malcolm, that's true. Yeah, the Malcolm, the people who are doing great are the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated are breezing through this. They don't have worries about myocarditis Amen. or all of these other problems. Yeah. And the vaccinated are are racking up all of these health events. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, as a case in point, uh, you know, I'm telling you, um, there was a lot of pressure building. You know, when my wife was very ill and had it, and you, many listeners out there have followed this story because I get emails in all the time on it. But um, you know, and you know, there was a lot of pressure in family circles in my world, as many worlds were when these kind of things happen to get the vaccines and they were really pushing, trying to get me to get her vaccinated when she was on her deathbed, for God's sakes. Uh, and then thereafter, and some of those people, oh yeah. And many of those people, even up in the North, uh, West and Northeast and uh, Midwest and other areas, uh, they got the vaccines and called it, they were fearful because my wife almost died from this uh, uh, COVID pneumonia. Uh, she did not get vaccinated for all of you. And you all out there know that. None of my family, uh, my immediate family, my children and myself, no, we'd never succumbed to that pressure, never did the vaccine. There was no job, no career, no college, no not. There was nothing. My daughter was in college and they, they were going to force it on her. I said, that it, it is not happening. It is not happening. I, they will. We are not passing their go. We are not collecting their vaccine or their two hundred bucks. I said, put them on the. I'll deal with these people. It is not, and they, we did not do it. We did not succumb under any pressure to do this. And had she done that, Doctor McCullough, I'm telling you right now, had she had the vaccines, just as bad as her case was, and you know full well how bad it was with with D. Safe to say she, she, she'd she long been gone by now. She'd have been dead. It could have been fatal. I mean, the complications I'm seeing is, you know, they have the respiratory infection. They're pre-vaccinated, but they're loaded with spike protein. So what's the next complication? Uh, a blood clot, uh, you, you know, some type of stroke, triggering a myocardial infarction. There was a 
report out of Georgia, it was like 3 million people, those who were pre-vaccinated and then got COVID had a multifold increased risk of stroke. So it's these complications that are doing it, and it's the preloading of the vaccine that is really the problem. That's exactly it, yeah. All right, so there you go. So there, there's the point I was just making. So, you know, there's a purpose to this, and we're uh, blessed that we didn't engage. But as uh, Dr. McCullough Sharon, the vaccines have been uh, pretty bad, uh, it, I mean, which we do. I mean, we, it's, we're now just, I guess we're, you know, we're, we're um, these are the results of what we've been talking about for many years now through this whole program. And we're, we're now bearing the fruit of the labor of this chaos and a society that was um, pushed upon, intimidated, fear-based, uh, coerced, uh, mandated. Uh, people struggled, and then many of them succumbed and took it. And lives have been lost. That's it's terrible. I mean, it's a, it's a chapter of society we'll never understand. And I don't ever know how we repaired this moment. And when we talk about these other stories where uh, Dr. McCullough and I say, well, will they ever learn? I mean, you just have to shake your head at that point, friends, and say, what? I mean, really, though, what what is it with humanity and that people don't learn those lessons and we but, try to make it better, you know? Malcolm, what if the vaccine yeah. was really a benign vaccine, really didn't have any serious side effects? Right. And, and what if it was partially effective? Right. Where do you think we'd be now in the world? What, Ooh, what type wow. of tensions? Wow. Well, uh, surely it would have been a better scenario as far as a lot of that anger wouldn't be there. We wouldn't have had as many deaths. And uh, listen, I think we would have been better off. I would have been glad to. I, listen, I, full confession to you, I would have been happy to swallow any pride or any problems to save lives like that, to say we were wrong. But we were not wrong, Dr. McCullough. Okay, that's a good point. So, if it turned out to be safe, fine. You could you could say, listen, we we were just excessively worried about uh, that's a right. vaccine. That's right. Sorry, we 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 had uh, some caution. We we were afraid of this new model car. We were afraid of a a new airplane. We were just excessively worried. When it turns out, we're okay. And you know, happy days. The vaccine did save some lives. It right. didn't help everybody. But it saves some lives. I think we we could get to a fairly happy set of talking. We'd embrace talking it. Points. We'd embrace that news. Yeah, we yeah. get to a, a set of talking yeah. points. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't uh, admit that? But how about on the other side, where we are now? <laughs> the vaccines <laughs> appeared not to have saved anyone, uh, and has cost uh, people's lives. I mean, yeah. we're not really seeing a capitulation. No. I don't know if yeah. you saw recently, uh, vaccine FDA uh, advisor uh, Paul Offit came out and just very begrudgingly said, well, the vaccines, yeah, they cause myocarditis. It's like, you know, the FDA said that over a year ago. Well, what is it going to take for these guys to come out here? Yeah, you said that right along too. But, you know, evil never admits the evil. Remember that now. We're fighting a fight of good and evil here. Evil is Mm -hmm. never going to admit it, no no matter what. It's not going to happen. So don't hold your breath, okay? Wow. It's not going to happen. I mean, because we're in a we're in a fight here of it's an evil fight, and that's what we're fighting, and that's it basically. There. All right. So uh, let's talk about the uh, some things you can do. Uh, it, we, we, that's what we got to really look at. You know, 
It, many of you out there know one of the wonderful programs, which has been a great hit on the network, is Looking for Healing Radio. Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. Jana Schmidt, and Nicolette Burnett, a fabulous program uh, that plays uh, at um, 11 a.m. I had to think of the time, 11 a.m. Eastern time now. Uh, on talk radio, but it goes to all the podcast as well. So you heard on any podcast network. That's naturopathic and which is something, uh, Dr. McCullough, you're a huge supporter and fan of. And of course you, you're a supporter. You're a fan of all these cats as well, uh, in that field that are doing it as well. You know them. And, uh, so that, that show has been really helping. We get the emails and we're getting a ton of messages in from folks. I'm reading them all and they're going right to the doctors and the others over there and they're helping. Oh, so many people out on that program. Got to tell you. So it's really, really cool stuff. Okay. Uh, check that out. Uh, looking for healing radio is really good. Oh, we get a lot of emails and correspondence here on Pulse. Uh, most of them come into Dr. McCullough and I, and we'll get into some of those next year. Uh, I want to touch real briefly on spike support and one wellness, uh, Dr. McCullough. Spike support has the kinase, the dandelion root, all these uh, wonderful ingredients that combine to make a very, very uh, b- um, a potential uh, solution and a product that is uh, effective. It's working for people. Spike support is called from the wellness company. Uh, speak about that a moment. Spike support is the best in class natokinase product, which is natokinase is the base, but it also has uh, Irish sea moss and dandelion root extract, black sativa, very active. That's in what's in black cumin. Uh, and, uh, you know, the product is really, really beneficial for patients. I recommend it every day in my practice. We now add to it uh, mm-hmm. bromelain and curcumin. But it is the base, two capsules twice a day. Caveats are bleeding. If there's bleeding, we can reduce it to one capsule twice a day. Takes about three months or longer before people start to turn around, in my experience. So give it time. But spike support is the probably the biggest hope that's come along for people who have taken these vaccines, had multiple rounds of COVID, and now they want to do something to, to get their bodies back to baseline. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to work out there on uh, the, the folks who are hurting with this now. A more, uh, it's going to be about lifestyle. It's going to be about doing many things well. It's going to be an attention to detail. I mean, this, this is what I did with my wife and I. I mean, we took matters into our own hands. And adopted a very healthy lifestyle and what we take and what we do. And there's a payoff for that. There's a payoff for that. It's a quality of life you cannot negate. Uh, it is the purpose. I mean, I mean, life is so much more rewarding when you feel good, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. I really like the what the wellness company is doing. They're on some really good uh, tracks here. Uh, and the trajectory of uh, these products are fabulous. I just recommended the other day one wellness uh, to several people who needed help in some particular areas, sent us emails and messages in, and they needed help. And I said, go get the one wellness. You get all the care, the virtual care and the help and the expertise is the word I would use, expertise. Uh, And from a a very esteemed group of uh, medical professionals uh, across the spectrum uh, that are part of the wellness company. And uh, that for one low monthly number uh, dollars uh and you get 25 percent off of these you go to america out dot shop uh, this is the newest thing we've got it's wonderful there's all kinds of new stuff in there uh you'll you'll love it you'll love it love it love it and and do your research check this stuff out do your research don't ever take anybody's word for anything 
But you'll see right at the top here, it says products that enhance our lives, special offers for our America Out Loud family of listeners and readers, uh, and uh, for being on the mission of liberty and justice for all of us. And so we're happy to uh, to do this. Uh, 25% off, use code out loud. Uh, you get all the links through americaoutloud.shop is the way to do it, okay? Uh, I want to suggest that to you. Uh, and real quickly, I, ju- I just want to tell you, when you go to shop, check out Healing for the Ages. Uh, it is a uh, program with Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. Ed Group, uh, from uh, the uh, the um, uh, uh, the global um, uh, the uh, uh, amazing amazing products and company uh, with um, the uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. Hold on, global healing, yeah, full global healing. Uh, they have some fabulous products. These are all nature, in in fact, and you do get a discount on all of that, fifteen percent off uh, using the code out loud. There's some very cool stuff in here you want to check out that'll give you a jump in your step for sure. But that healing for the ages is coming up September 8th and 9th. It is an event uh, that uh, these docs are putting on in Dallas, Texas. I know somebody else that's from Dallas, by the way. And um, it's going to be in Dallas. And uh, so use the code out loud and you'll get 10% off. You you can do a virtual ticket, by the way, or you can go right into Dallas for it. I love Dallas, by the way. I've always loved Dallas. It's just one of those cities I've always been comfortable in, probably because I can figure the interstates out and get from point A to B to C to D quickly. And the food is fabulous and the people are cool. And I've always loved Dallas. I don't know. It's one of those markets I've always enjoyed. You know, it's not sometimes you get to these cities and you just feel at home. Dallas is one of those markets I always enjoyed. Uh, I wouldn't has I, I mean, I could live there. No questions. Uh, but to Texas is a great state as well. Anyways, I love that. But healing for the ages. Okay, September 8th and 9th with this esteemed group of docs. Uh, Check it out, out loud, and I've got to get that out there for you. We'll take a quick pause. Join you just in a moment here on America Out Loud Pulse. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. 
Okay, welcome back, friends. We got all that in. <laughs> and the wire there. Welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead, we say, right? Uh, Q&A 79 now with uh, our uh, dear esteemed uh, colleague here, and just a magnificent uh, person, human being, Dr. Peter McCullough joins me here at his Malcolm Out Loud. Uh, thank you for joining us on the mission. It's always our privilege to be with you here. Uh, jump into some questions real, real quick. Got a whole lot here now. So this one's from Peggy. And she says, uh, hello, Malcolm and Dr. Uh, McCullough. Just listened to the latest broadcast twice. How do you like that business? Twice. And uh, she says, um, I almost leapt, uh, leaped out of my chair, I think she's saying. <laughs> okay. And uh, that uh, with excitement, when you said that Octurus variant does not involve respiratory system at all. I, like Malcolm's wife, survived the Delta virus by the grace of God. Wow. I know exactly what you are talking about, Peggy. So this, uh, I have bronchi bronchitis, is it? They could pronounce, I think it's bronchitis, yeah, right? Bronchiectasis. Bronchiectasis. Okay. Almost sounds like the dinosaurs day. All right. Uh, and the dinosaurs. Um, and uh, not bronchitis, she says. And as a result, uh, colonized NTM in my lungs. Okay. Wow. Delta hit my lungs in a big way. And I have been very careful about getting sick again. As a result, I've missed a lot of life important to the 63-year-old. Oh, you're just young, uh, young uh, gal, uh, Peggy. Uh, normally active mom and grandma. I, I, oh, I especially miss going to church and been faithful for 30 years. I followed the program for almost three years uh, and your protocol on hand. I've wanted to touch base with you two, whom I trust to be sure that I'm not at risk with the variant of being hospitalized again if I get it. So she's been in fear is what she's saying. Peggy is. I, I will not allow COVID fear to ruin my life anymore if it truly doesn't harm my lungs any longer. So she's worried about her lungs, worried about sort of thing, and fearful of that, but she doesn't want to live in fear with that. What do you say to Peggy? Well, let's take bronchiectasis and explain what that is. That is a form of a chronic infection in the bronchi, the air tubes, where it begins to break down the wall of the air tubes, and patients have trouble clearing phlegm. They get recurrently infected. It actually gets colonized with a form of a, a mycobacterium, something that's related to tuberculosis. And uh, that's what she has. Now with bronchiectasis, they can get in trouble because they can't clear their airways with the next uh, infection. So, and I have patients with bronchiectasis, they've all gotten through COVID okay, but they are more susceptible. So my advice is to have a nasal an oral virucidal spray and wash program. And we've had our program go onto the uh, platform and go to the Nasal Hygiene Summit and review what's needed, a form of povidone iodine or xylitol or colloidal silver or, or all of the above as a spray, mm -hmm. and then using scoper Listerine or spray as a mouthwash with, um, with, you know, supercharged with some iodine. And at the first hour of feeling sick to jump into that protocol immediately and begin to knock down viral replication in the nose and the mouth so we never develop a full sore throat or nasal congestion. She can go about her business. Mm -hmm. I just would not yeah. travel or even you know go without in the purse yeah. an iodine nasal spray and the ability to make a quick water gargle, at least when you're traveling. 
Yeah, you know, uh, okay, and I I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and so it's just being precautionary. And I, I guess you know we haven't we're, we haven't we haven't been fearful. My wife and I, and she was very severe as well, Peggy, as you know. And but we take healthy cell every day. We take those products. We take ten thousand IU of D. Uh, we take uh, uh, larger uh, um, L arginine. We take NAC. Uh, we take a various regimen of things. We use uh, the Cofix product, uh, the nasal hygiene. But we also have this new throat spray, um, Cofix. Would that help, Peggy? That kind of thing. Throat spray is really handy when you're traveling. Right. You can't get to a bathroom and you're gargling. You need to gargle. You got the throat spray. You think you may got exposed. Just pop it back there. Don't swallow it. Try to hold it back in the throat as long as you can. But and I do you spit it out at that point? Do you don't swallow? Ultimately, you spit it, it out. If okay. you have, you kind of salivate, you'll spit it out. But keep it back there. Right. But Malcolm, what I'm saying is, we are now so in tune with nasal and oral uh, right. virucidal strategies. Uh, it, to me, it's been liberating. Uh, you know, it, just a standard common cold for a patient with bronchiectasis is a big deal. And it usually means seeing a doctor, getting a chest x-ray, going to antibiotics. I think we can really do well when we have this approach. And, you, you know, you, you could almost, in her case, suggest using Clear, the Clear product, which is a xylitol-based product. That can be used twice a day as a nasal spray, squirt it up, sniff it back, and spit it out. Uh, just to kind of keep the right bacterial balance in the nasopharynx and the throat. Yeah. Uh, so we know that in the mouth, for instance, there's about 800 good guy bacteria. They're actually perfectly fine. And there's 11 bad guys, 11. <laughs> uh, one of them being uh, strep, when you get strep throat. Well, what? how the xylitol works, let's say if you gargle with it, take a xylitol mint, use a xylitol spray, you're constantly balancing the good guys to prevail over the bad guys. That's how xylitol works. I love it. I love it. The 11 bad guys, I could see that. Um, xylitol is is wonderful. In fact, Dr. McCullough had a fabulous show, Xylitol and Dentistry on the McCullough Report. It is now on podcast, and you can get it on the McCullough Report. Just go to the menu nav bar under shows, or go down to uh, the McCullough Report, and get it on podcast. And of course, the the live show for talk radio uh, is uh, every weekend, uh, friends, I need to mention to you, 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Saturday and Sunday, you hear the live one. But then the shows do go to podcast on Monday, uh, late Monday. Uh, so uh, there's not at all. Uh, Clear is a great product. Clear spelled X-L-E-A-R. Uh, it has uh, been on the cutting edge of this field for sure. And do your research, and I'll tell you how you do it. Go to americaroutloud.shop. There's a clear ad right there, X-L-E-A-R. It'll put you right into their site, right into the area you want to be, and get all of the data and information you need. Read, uh, make yourself smart by doing that. Research always yourself and make the right decisions for you. We're not given direct medical advice here, so but you always need to do your own research, okay? And there's a lot of investigation in those uh, products on the platform. So I always say do that for yourself uh, first. So that's great advice for Peggy. Uh, Connie Malcolm, said, yes. Let me say one more thing. Yeah. People get all confused. Well, you mentioned iodine. You mentioned colloidal right. silver. You mentioned xylitol. Which one should I use? I'm all confused. What's the exact formula? It's much better to do something compared to nothing. Don't get so uh, worried about the formula. If you've got one of these products, 
and you've got a nasal spray and you've got a gargle, virtually everything works. Yeah, it's I, just I, a yeah, matter of yeah. finding something that's affordable, tolerable, yeah. that you can carry with you, that's not going to yeah. leak. But something is way better than yeah. nothing. Don't get too confused about it. You know what we're doing more and more in practice is we're kind of mixing them anyway. Right. We're taking some xylitol, putting some iodine, right. vice versa. I've taken uh, xylitol, then I've added some peroxide and I've gargled yeah. with it. So we kind of mix them up anyway. <laughs> so yeah, don't yeah. worry about the exact brand or formula. Yeah, exactly. Just exactly. have one on I hand. love what you say there. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, it this is most important. I totally endorse that comment that uh, Dr. McCullough puts out there. It is about getting the right product for you. Oh, uh, I could not agree more than that. It's most important you're healthy. And so whatever product works, but you've got to research, study, figure it out. We'll continue to bring you answers and solutions uh, and we'll have them in the shop, but always do what's right for you. Uh, none of this is about selling anything. We don't, I don't care about that part of it. I just want you to get the benefits of having a healthy lifestyle. So do what works for you. Okay. That's the key to this thing. Um, now, Connie says, my husband received the COVID shot about two weeks after this all started. I did not. Okay. I'm an RN. Wow. <laughs> and did not believe in it. God bless you, Connie. After my husband came home after his shot, he ended up in the hospital uh, mm. with a PE, and I lost my taste and smell. It has never returned. I tried Dr. Artis, uh thing of nicotine patches and gum, but nothing. Any help you can give me would surely be appreciated on the taste and smell. What do you think? Well, I can tell you, uh, first off, you know, the husband taking the shots and the pulmonary embolism, just another case you know we are not making this up and when we, when we tell people we're worried about side effects the you, you know the listeners just organically bubble this up the side effects are real with these shots now she just had the infection uh the taste of smell uh has been out for a while we do believe base spike detox we are starting to see some of these uh nervous uh, system abnormalities come back base spike detox is natokinase uh, best in class would be the wellness company, spike support, add to it, bromelain 500 milligrams a day and curcumin 500 milligrams twice a day and plan on three to 12 months before things come back. Okay. All right. There it is there. Okay. This is from Lori. My husband retired in December from his career as an airline pilot. He is 65, very healthy, and exercises regularly. He had two Pfizer vaccines early on. There you go, right? That's because of the pressures of the airline industry, I'm sure. He has never had any heart issues, but recently, due to some dizziness, found out he has AFib. The dizziness was ear crystals. The month-long monitor showed it as minor. We are wondering if this could be caused by the vaccine and if there's anything that can be done. This cardiologist said it isn't bad, so he is leaving the option of medication up to him. Right now, he isn't on any medication. He has had the FAA required EKGs for years, and nothing ever showed up. Just looking for answers, Laurie says. Yes, the atrial fibrillation is due to the vaccine. A paper by Ruggiero and colleagues from the European Union analyzed well over a thousand cases of atrial fibrillation that occur after the vaccine. There's no doubt about it. The AFib is due to the vaccine. In that paper, there was over a hundred deaths. And I think most of the deaths were atrial fibrillation. And then as a result, stroke as an example, or, or heart failure. It sounds like he's young and otherwise healthy. Treatment for atrial fibrillation, following the doctor's advice, uh, should suffice. Uh, again, I think base spike detox 
uh, natokinase, 2,000 units twice a day. That would be the wellness company spike support. Add bromelain, 500 milligrams a day. Curcumin, 500 milligrams twice a day. Why not? Just the caveat is look for any excessive bleeding. Uh, you know, Make sure that you uh, take these on schedule. Do it for three to tw uh, 12 months and see if this just can't you know, permanently solve the problem. Okay. All right, John. Uh, this one uh, from Philip. I want to ask Dr. McCullough to review new research on mRNA technology by microbiologist uh, Kevin McKernan. Uh, the research reveals the inherent danger if DNA is uh, present within the LNP. I hope it is the beginning of the end for mRNA use in vaccines and food supply. You probably know this, but an interview can be found on Rumble about it with McKernan and Dr. Uh, uh, Body and uh, Mercola uh, provides a nice summary. Any thoughts to Philip then? This was a huge story. It's going to come out on McCullough Report as well. Wow. Kevin McKernan, a molecular biologist, uh, uh, formerly very well connected in the whole biotechnology space, uh, has gotten a hold of vials of Pfizer Moderna and has discovered what's called simian virus 40, SV40, enhancers and promoters. So let, let me explain. Initially, Malcolm, they used kind of naked DNA uh, to make the template for the messenger RNA. It was very slow. It was expensive. They had to get to a ramp up, a rapid procedure. So they used E. coli. So they took the gene coding for the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein that would code for the RNA, and they have to put promoters and enhancers in front of it to juice it up. And they use these SV40 promoters, enhancers. When they got the messenger RNA off of the template of the E. coli DNA, some pieces of that DNA got into the vials, actually a high amount of them. And so it's coding out. They're called plasmids or circular DNA. And in it is SV40 promoters, enhancers. What's the big deal? SV40 is a known cancer promoting wow. genetic segment. So if it's in there in sufficient quantity, it's taken up by human cells. They get people take an injection. They think it's pure, but it's not. And these cancer uh, promoters get in there. And if there is a cancer gene, it could make cancer take off. What I'm telling you is the discovery of SV40 may be part of the explanation for what we're seeing. And that's called mm. turbo cancers. Yeah, it's been, there's been a lot of reports on that, too. So th I'll be anxious to see how you develop that more on the McCullough Report and what, what else we can talk about on that. That's a real concern. Um, all right. And um, uh, we're out of time. I can't get to this next one. We'll, we'll save it for the next broadcast here. Uh, listen, I want to remind you, AmericaOutloud.news. Uh, that was the changeover just a couple weeks ago. Uh, your dot com will still get you there, but it is AmericaOutloud.news. Uh, I ask you one thing for me here. Uh, please share the stories and the great program. And our best in class experts are as amazing as could possibly be the America Out Loud family. It is an amazing group of people who passionately care about people and humanity. And they're all over the world. Uh, and please share the stories. Please share the programs. That's what you can do for us is to help us get the out loud truth around the world, please. Okay, that's it right there, AmericaOutloud.news. Thank you, my fellow Americans and all of our friends around the globe for joining us on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead. Hey.